one more thing before we jump in, and I, I just have to let you know this. Yesterday, my wife Pam turned 50 years old, and uh, so happy birthday, Pam. So, I, we just had a great time celebrating the fact that she's old. I mean, that she's 50 years old. No, I'm kidding. I don't know if you heard about the Little League coach that gathered his team together. They had just been slaughtered. I mean, they, were just, they didn't score a run, and, and the game was even called by the mercy rule. And uh, all these kids gather together, and they're looking up at the coach, and the coach goes, guys, I want to tell you something. You know what? I, I know it was a tough day, but I want you to know I'm proud of you. Because the question isn't if you win or lose. The question is if you gave it your all. And, and, and I believe you gave it your all. And I want you to know I'm proud of you. And I want you to know I believe your parents are proud of you. And I think your parents are just as proud of you as the parents are of the girls team that beat you. <laughs> Yeah, I like that one. Uh, when you start to get older, uh, many of us have an issue happening. That's where our eyes begin to go. And a few years back, I, I just found myself not able to read and not able to focus, not able to concentrate. And I love to read. And I thought, what is wrong? And so Pam finally said, get your vision checked. And I got to be honest, I kind of fought it off. Well, I went and got glasses. And uh, the bottom line is, is it changed everything. Not only could I read, I could concentrate better. I was getting more. I was more in tune. Uh, there were lots of other areas of my life where I, I had missed little details of things, and now I'm beginning to see them more correctly. And, and so when my vision was readjusted, it, it literally caused me to be able to live life uh, in, in a better way, a more meaningful way, a more effective way. Uh, to get my vision checked, though, I went through that process that some of you know where they dilate your eyes. And, and when they did that, I, I got to tell you what happened. I don't know if this is your experience. First of all, it was obviously very uncomfortable and very irritating. But the other thing is, when I walked out of that office, I found myself incredibly cold. It affected my body temperature. I, I found myself irritable. I actually had to be careful not to just snap because I was just so irritable. And then I was just hungry. And, and then I began to realize just that change in vision of not being able to focus on the correct things and see correctly affected so much of who I was and so much of how I was living my life. Now, Paul's about to talk in the, in the letter to the Second Corinthians about vision. He's about to ask you and I to have a particular view of ourselves and of others. And then when we have the right view, when we look at things correctly, here's the point, then we begin to live out the authentic Christian life the way we're supposed to. If you're new to this, we've been talking for a few weeks about what it really means to be a Christian, and we're studying through the letter to the 2 Corinthians, and Paul begins in chapter 5, verse 16 by saying this, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh yet. Now we know him in this way no longer. We don't see Jesus the way everybody else sees Jesus. We don't see life the way everyone else sees life. We don't look at other people. We don't recognize anybody according to the flesh is what he says. Now notice in verse 16 it starts with the word therefore. And it goes back to what we talked about last week. Because the love of Christ controls us. Because our, our motivation is a love for Jesus. Because we realize that he did die for us. And he died for all. 
And because we know that he died for all and he died for us, it causes us to want to live our lives in a completely different way. Therefore, because of that, we recognize no one according to the flesh. There's a change in perspective that comes when I genuinely encounter Jesus and begin to live with him the way I should. Now, we live in a world that is the opposite of that. We live in a world that looks at almost everything and gives value on outward beauty and outward physicality and, and, and that really kind of drives the society and the world we live in. And, and I think many of us struggle with that. Some years ago, uh, Mariners, uh, that church down in Irvine, that's just a phenomenal church, they did a, a survey, a pretty exhaustive survey, wanting to understand what the people in their church were struggling with. And they asked this question, what is your greatest struggle? And, and the men, the men came back, and this is kind of interesting, although somewhat uh, expected, and said, our greatest struggle is lust. You know, looking at an outward way at women and, and having to be careful with that. Now, the interesting thing that I was intrigued by, not was what men, because I figured that would be guys' problems, but the women. The number one thing that came back from the women was this. We find ourselves constantly comparing ourselves to other women. That's our greatest struggle. We walk into a room and we look around and, and we see how they look and how they're dressed and that begins to cause us to decide uh, uh, whether we like them or not and it causes us to decide whether we like ourselves or not. And, and, and so here's, you got one real issue and lived out in two different ways. You've got people looking at other people outwardly and it taints our ability to live correctly. And God wants you and I to have a whole different concept, a whole different mindset than that. And, and I got to say that too often I find ourselves struggling with this. You see, it really is true in our society. We give value based on beauty. Pam and I have a friend, and she's a, an incredible girl. Uh, but what happened is uh, when she was uh, 17 years old, she was in a car accident that wasn't her fault. And, and it really, I mean, her body took a beating. And so what happened is her attorney said to her, you're going to get a, an incredible cash settlement. And so she ended up, you know, they, they sued and they actually asked for a lot of money and, and they weren't able to settle out of court. So they go into court and they go through the case showing it wasn't her fault, showing what happened. But she didn't know what was going to be the ending arguments. But the, the closing arguments for the case were this. Her attorney got up and he unveiled a picture of her, a huge picture of her, uh, uh, from her, her senior picture. And he said to the jury, he said, look at this. Look at what she used to look like. Look how beautiful she was. And look at her now. Look what this man did to her. He robbed her of every hope of happiness. He took away every ability for her to have hopes and dreams. Because look at her. She could have had the life that this face would have had. But look what he did to her face now. Will she ever find love? Will she ever find joy? Will she ever have the family? Will she ever? And he went on and on to say, look at this poor girl's never going to have a meaningful life. And she sat there wanting to object. <laughs> She's a Christian. Going, no. The jury gave her an enormous settlement, which she tithed on. But, uh... <laughs> She did. But anyway, uh, but, but isn't that interesting that what it came down to is, look what you robbed her of every meaning in life. Well, that isn't true. And the good news is deep down she knew it. But we live in a world that gives value based on that. I, I just want to remind you that we live in a society here in this country where life and death decisions are based on outward beauty and outward physicality. An incredible number of parents 
terminate the life of their child because they believe that if there's a physical problem, that they don't deserve to live. A doctor not too long ago was sued. Even though the baby he delivered ended up uh, uh, being a thriving child, the the child had a, a physical problem called spina bifida, but the boy laughed. As a matter of fact, I saw a video of him. He laughed and he told jokes and he had dreams and he hopes and his mother was suing the doctor because he didn't advise for abortion. And the doctor ended up losing an enormous lawsuit because everyone agreed that man should have terminated the life of that child. He didn't deserve to live. I can't imagine a mom going to court for that. I can't imagine a society living like that. Where we look at one person and say you have value because you, you happen to look or act or, or, or have certain realm of physicality over someone else. And Paul says that's not how we live. That's not how we act. We don't look at people that way. When we embrace authentic Christianity, the real Christian message, the real lifestyle Jesus called us to, we look at people differently. Now, how do we look at them? The first thing we do is we look at them and ask this question, do they know the Lord? Now, I know that, you know what, as, as if you're brand new to all this, you probably already feel that way about us. You feel like that what happens, you get around Christians and we're like, ooh, the question is, do you know the Lord? But let me tell you what that means. We want to know if you know a God who loves you so much, he wants to adopt you as his child. When I look at someone and I realize, and I'm asking that question, do they have this relationship with God? It's because I know the kind of love they could have. I know the kind of life they could have. And, and it's, it's, it's this incredible impassioned desire that because Jesus loved them so much and Jesus died for them, I want them to know that love. And every single person we encounter, we begin to ask that question, do they know Christ? Do they have this relationship with him? The second thing that we do when we look at every single person we meet is this, is we realize that they have intrinsic value, period. Every single person we meet is valuable. They're they're meant to live a significant life. Uh, They have a deep, deep meaning to who they are. And so we don't make outward distinctions. We don't recognize anybody in outward ways. We look and realize the amazing value they have in Christ. In Galatians 3.27, Paul says this, For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ. Now, now you got to grab hold, if you're not aware of this, how radical that statement was in the day it was written. He says, we don't make racial distinctions. Are you ready for this? He says, we don't make gender distinctions. We don't act like a person's more valuable because they're a man than they are because of a woman. At the time that Paul wrote this, that was not... The predominant view, not only in the Jewish society, but in the Roman society. Women had no value whatsoever. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, the prayer of many rabbis was this. They would stand in the tabernacle and then later in the temple and pray this prayer. God, I thank you that I am not a Gentile, a tax collector, or a woman. Can you imagine that? Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, uh, a teaching that came uh, during that time, there is that when a woman was in public and she was with her husband, she was walk behind him three steps back, always looking in the ground to show reverence. They call that the good old days. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. But uh, the bottom line is, is that women were viewed like they had no rights and no meaning and, and, and no worth and no value. As a matter of fact, there was a list of what was valuable written by a rabbi. And it was the man was the most valuable. Sons were second. Cattle was third. Chickens were fourth. And women followed that. 
And Paul says that's not what we are in Christ. We don't look at things that way. We see the value of every single person as a person. We see the value of who they are. Colossians 3, 9 to 11 says, Do not lie to one another, since you have laid aside the old self with its evil practices. And it says this, And it put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction. He says when we're renewed in Christ, we, we don't have racial barriers or boundaries. We don't have gender ones. We don't have, make a distinction. Notice this, he says, between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free man, but Christ is all in all. Uh, you know, that's what it's like when you're a Christian and you really know the Lord. You just see everybody as valuable and it doesn't matter if they're a slave or if they're free. It doesn't matter if they're rich or they're poor. It doesn't matter what they look like on the outside, whether they have tan skin or not so tan skin or darker color or light. We just see every single person has amazing value. And so we're, our number one way of looking is, do they know the love of Christ? The second is, they are just valuable, period. And I need to, to spot the meaning in their life, the intrinsic value that they have. The third thing is this. Are you ready? Now, don't miss this. Because we don't look at anybody in the flesh, no one is beyond redemption. Now, that's where authentic Christianity really stands out. Because the greater sinner we see, the more in need we see them to know the love and forgiveness of Christ. Now, now you got to grab hold of that. No one's beyond redemption. No one has ever done a sin that God could not forgive and that the blood of Jesus couldn't cleanse. And it doesn't matter how vile or how horrible. And the reality is, is we see that people matter to God and no matter how horribly they've wrecked their lives or being hurt others, we want them to come to know a God who will love and forgive them and pour his grace and mercy out upon them. Uh, uh, years back, uh, a lot of people who weren't Christians couldn't understand something that happened. Ted Bundy, uh, the serial killer, had about a month before he was executed, asked to meet with James Dobson, and Dr. Dobson led him to Christ. And when, he, when Dr. Dobson put out the word that Ted Bundy became a Christian, we all celebrated. Now, we're not happy about what he did. We would never say it was okay. We're sad about the, the kind of hurt he brought into families' lives. But we know this, that God will love and God will forgive. And when we start celebrating that, the world can't get it. They're like, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer uh, made the statement that he actually gave his life to the Lord prior to his being murdered in prison. And, and we know that if he genuinely did that, that Jesus will love and forgive him. And we celebrate that. And you know what? i got to say this. When you get outside of the, the whole Christian culture, and I'm using that term in a positive way, uh, people don't get it. But we look at people and nobody's beyond forgiveness. Nobody's beyond redemption. That's why, you know, not that the, the, what I'm about to describe is at the equal level of a serial killer, but I got to tell you, when I get out on the golf course, and this happened a couple weeks ago, and I'm with these guys who are cussing and going on and on, and their mouths are vile, and, and they're talking horribly, I just look at them and say, oh man, the Lord loves you. I don't look and say, how could I be around them? I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I'm around them. I'm so glad I get to share. And by the way, it's not because I stand there going, boy, I'm better than they are. No, I was just like that. And you see, that's the thing you need to understand. Again, if you're new to all this, we don't look at somebody and judge them as, as less than. We look at you as valuable. We look at you as meaningful. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you've been. Because you know what? Every one of us who are sitting in this room today, we've done things we shouldn't have done. And we've been people we shouldn't have been. And if you're new to all this, I just need to tell you, you're in a room filled with people that have done some most horrible sins ever. All around you are horrible. I could just point at people and tell you things about their lives. 
And women, I'd watch your purses. Uh, <laughs> isn't it true? And you know why we, one, one of the biggest reasons we have this motivation to look at someone and say, oh, do they know the Lord? And look at them and say, man, they have value. And look at them and say, Jesus will just redeem them, period. It's because he did it to us, right? He did it to us. And we want them to know that. And that's why we don't look at anybody according to the flesh. No one's beyond this redemption. And we have this great desire. And, and that causes lots of changes to take place in our life and lots of things to happen differently. Uh, we begin to view success differently. We begin to view people's values differently. We begin to view how our children live their lives differently. Um, we just don't recognize anybody in the flesh the same way any longer. But now you gotta grab hold of this. We also uh, have a different view of ourselves. Not only do we look at other people differently, look what it says in chapter five, verses 17 and 19. It says we look at ourselves differently. It says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, reconcile means to, to bring someone back together and to put them into a solid relationship and to make sure things are genuinely okay. And you know what the bottom line is? It says, now, anyone who in Christ, they're a new creation. The old things have passed away and we become reconciled to God. We're brand new. Uh, by the way, catch this. God doesn't say he remodels you. He causes you literally to be born again. He causes you to be a new creation. He wants the old to pass away and all all things to become new. Now, now, when we hear that, and I say this is the true, authentic Christian message, if you're really listening, you might go, well, well wait a minute. I, I find a lot of the old things still true in me. And when I have conversations with people very often, and they use this term, well, that's just not who I am. I, I almost always ask that question. That's not who you are in Jesus as the born-again, brand-new creation, or that's not who you are in the old flesh. What, which one are we talking about? You know, say, well, I just don't raise my hands in worship. That's not me. That's not the born-again you, the spirit-filled you, the blood-empowered you, or that's not the old you who had, had kind of a lifestyle of not being able to demonstrate love and affection. You know, which one is it? Well, you know what? I, I got to be honest. I lose my temper a lot, and that's just who I am. Do you think anybody was born again with a bad temper? Do you think God said, you know, it's your spiritual gift, anger. I just want you to unleash it. No, 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 that's the old you. And you might say, well, wait a minute then. If I really am born again, how come I struggle with that? Well, that's because we need to learn to die to ourselves daily. We need to be willing to deny self to live out this new life by faith in God. And by the way, it's, not, it's, a, it's, it's a graciousness, faith, living life, oriented life, uh, uh, that we focus on Jesus and let him transform us and get rid of all those old things. And we don't look at ourselves the same way any longer. Uh, years ago, when I actually had become a Christian here at Crossroads and was going to college, a pastor who uh, uh, was in a church in the Fullerton area had something happen. A mortuary delivered a casket to his, his, his church, and there was, there was no body in it, and, and there was no funeral. So he calls the mortuary and says, you got this casket here. And they go, oh, it was, I don't know how that happened. Uh, we'll come pick it up. Well, the next week they didn't come, and the next week they didn't come. And they're like, what do we do with this casket? So he had him put it in his office. And you'd open the door of his office and there was this casket and it, it was there for a long time before they finally came and got it. But here's what he said. I, I'll never forget this. He goes, you know what? I like having the casket in my office 
Because every day I open the door and I step in and I look at it and I think, okay, that's it. I need to get in that casket. I need to die to self. The old me's dead and gone. I just need to let Christ, and he said, I'd almost picture me getting in the casket and the Lord getting in me, and I just live my life that way. And every one of us needs to do that. We need to die to the old ways, die to the old things. And I think here's what happens. A lot of us do. You get up in the morning and you go, Lord, today I want to live for you and I want to die to self, and you kind of get in the casket. But the problem's this, all through the day we're peeking to make sure God's doing a good job, you know, and... uh, and, we're not, and we keep jumping out, you know, and the Lord doesn't want us to do that. We need to live a life that's different. Because in Christ, the idea of being born again, John 3, 3, truly, I say to you, everyone who comes must be born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God without it. You can't see God moving in your life without this new creation, this being born again. Galatians six thirteen to 16 says this. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves. But they desire to have you circumcised. So they might boast in the flesh. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and then that death happened and then I to the world. For neither is circumcision nor uncircumcision anything but a new creation. And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them. Now, now, do you grab that? When we live our life by that rule, when we live our life that way, what happens? Peace, mercy, a whole different lifestyle. And it says none of the any things matter. It's the new creation in Christ. It's who he's allowed us to be. All things have become new. All things have changed. All things are better. And we need to live that out. You were meant to be free from the past. You're meant to be a new creation. You're meant to be uh, 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 continually being growing in the Lord in a renewing that happens. Remember we saw this, a renewal that happens uh, constantly as God begins to do that. And uh, you know the reality is, is we've just got to begin to allow God to work in our lives that way and to help us because God has called us to look at other people differently. He's called us to look at ourselves differently. And, and here's the last thing. He wants us to also understand now that we have a purpose and a position that we need to fulfill. Look what it says in verses 18 to 21. It says, now all these things, the idea of seeing others differently, seeing ourselves differently, getting the love of Christ in our life, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, now notice this, because God has committed to you and I this word of reconciliation, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us We beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. He says, you know what, man, we beg people to do this. And and God has called us to be ambassadors for Christ. He wants that to happen. Verse 21 said that he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It says Jesus took sin on and he began to to die uh, in a way he died for us to purify us so that we would have a whole new life and a whole new purpose and a whole new meaning to who we are. And in big part, what does that mean? It means that now we're ambassadors to Christ. We begin to live for Jesus in every way we can. God wants you to be his ambassador. He wants you to go out in the world. He wants you to be representative of, of, of Jesus. You know, I hope that we all gather in here every weekend to share in the love of Christ. But I hope we all leave to go out and share the love of Christ. And and, and whether you realize it or not, the minute you really say, you know what, God, I really want to be yours, and I want to be a part of the Crossroads family, you take on a representation. You become an ambassador. 
And, and everybody who looks at Crossroads, they do it through the, uh, seeing you, the ones who know you. You, you, you represent us, and I praise God you do. And I gotta tell you, I've said this before, but I'm really happy. Uh, how many times I bump into people, and I'll, I'll say, yeah, I'm a pastor at Crossroads, and they'll go, oh, I know someone who goes, and they get so excited, because it really represents us. When I was at Christ Church of the Valley, my assistant, Talia Murray, uh, back then she wasn't married yet, she was our, one of our receptionists. We had two part-time receptionists, her and Kathy uh, uh, Stewart. And what happened is both of them were going to be leaving at the same time, and it was time to hire a new set of receptionists. And so uh, we decided we would delegate to them the, the interviewing, and so they could explain the job and all this. And well, what happened is I met this young girl, and I thought she'd be an amazing receptionist, and I said, hey, why don't you apply? And I sent her to Kathy and Talia, and, and so they took her over, and they began to interview her. And uh, I, I'm kind of doing some stuff, and I happen to be walking out in the parking lot while she's coming out from her interview. And I looked at her and I said, what's wrong? And she said, they were tough. And I said, what happened? She goes, Chuck, they wanted to know about my dating life. They wanted to know what I was doing in my quiet time today. They wanted to know uh, about, you know, uh, did I have any issues? They want to know. And, and they, they had dug into every, she goes, I didn't expect that. And I thought, well, that does seem a little like, you know, uh, too much and, and a little too intense. And so I walked in and I called them together and I said, guys, do you think you're being a little too tough on them? And Talia looked at me and she said, no. She said, Chuck, when I took this job, I didn't realize for how many people I would be the first face they would see and the first voice they would hear. And she said, and because we didn't pay very well, she had to work at Red Robin too. And she said, you know, I got to tell you how many times I have couples and families come into Red Robin and they go, oh, you're, and they know me right away. So Chuck, if I don't live for Christ at Red Robin, if I don't live for Christ in my dating life, then I'm going to ruin the reputation of this church. And I think every person who's a receptionist ought to have that mentality. And I realized, no, 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 every person who's a member of the church ought to have that mentality, right? Everybody should. We all ought to have that. And, and God says, you're an ambassador. When you go out, you represent Jesus. Most people are never gonna read this Bible. You're the only Bible they're ever gonna read. And you're the only representation of Christ they're ever gonna have. And, and the truth of the matter is, while none of us are perfect, we need to be taking very seriously uh, the idea that the greatest impact that could ever be made in the cause of Christ is the transformed, changed lives that we are able to experience and that we love in the correct way. We care in the correct way. We put aside selfishness. We live for Jesus with an all-out passion. And people need to see that no matter where they go. And, and God says, I want you to live as an ambassador. I want you to be constantly be a representative. And what does he say you should do? He says, beg and pleading people to be reconciled to God. Uh, it was two years ago, I was sitting in a quiet time. And uh, every morning I do that, I get up and I just spend time with the Lord reading scripture and praying and writing. And uh, I'll never forget this moment because it's really not happened to me like this before. I, 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 I had a vision. Now, I don't want to go weird on you or anything, but it was not a dream, and it was just way too real. It wasn't like I was out of my body or anything, but I just sat there, and I could see something. I could see the face of somebody I love and care about, a, a person who I know doesn't know the Lord. And, and, and I'm not kidding, I could see them slipping into hell. Now, I can't even describe it for you completely, but let me tell you what I'll never forget, the look on their face. The pain, the hurt, the fear. I, I could see, I mean, I, I'm not just saying, I, I, even now, I could, I could see it. And I got 
moved. I, I started to shake. And I started to cry because I love that. You, you don't know how much I love this person. And I know right now they don't know the Lord. Even to this day, two years later, it kills me. And, and, and man, I'm crying and I'm holding on to the Bible and I'm thinking, God, and, and it just changed everything about how, I, I just literally, uh, you know what I wanted to do? I, would you, I wanted to go get them and grab them and drag them to the church and just baptize, you know, and have that be it. And, and it, it changed how I pray for them. Before it was, Lord, I hope they come to know you. Now it's God, please. And I'm begging God. I'm begging God for people to touch their life. I'm begging God for every chance they have. I've strategized ways to have spiritual conversations. Praise God, most of those have gone well. I've I've prayed for other people to come in their life. I I keep up with what's going on. And you know why? Because I really got a glimpse of what's going to happen if this person doesn't come to know Jesus. Uh, The founder of the Salvation Army, General Booth, he said that, that once a week he would pray this prayer. You ready for what it was? He said, God, please take every single Christian and dangle them over hell for one minute. Because if we saw the reality of it, we would never live the same. We would never view people the same. We would never operate our lives the same. Because the reality is, is apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's where people are going. And God's desire is reconciliation. God's desire is to embrace somebody in. And he says, you know what we do? He says, we don't look at people according to the flesh. We ask, where are they at with the Lord? And we realize the amazing value they have. And we realize it doesn't matter what they've done, that God loves them. He says, we don't look at ourselves the same. We know we're a new creation in Christ. He says, but we also don't look at life the same. Because we know that the most important reason we're living today is why? To share Christ. Now, I want to have you, you grab that. That's the most important reason you're living. There's only two things that you can do here that you can't do in heaven. Are you ready for what that is? Share Christ with people to have them come to know the Lord in sin. Now, I'm positive God didn't leave you on earth just to sin, right? So there's only one reason you're still alive. Because God loves you too much to just keep you apart from him. There's only one reason your heart beats if you're a believer. And that's so you would make a difference in people coming to know the Lord. And that is when authentic Christianity grabs hold of and knows. And uh, today I want to say something, that if you're here and you're not in an intimate relationship with the Lord, a real one, and and I mean this, I, I beg you, let him love you. Open your eyes to him. Open your life to him. You will never, ever regret saying to God, I do know you love me and I want to live my life with you and for you. And today, if, if you are not in that relationship, we're not going to let the service in without giving you a chance to say yes to God. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And today, if you either are not in the first time come to know Christ, if you've never had that happen, I'm going to invite you to do something. I'm going to invite you while we're sitting here to pray a prayer with me. That's where you just talk to God and you're going to say to him, I really want to give my life to you. I want to be yours. I don't want to live apart from you anymore. And by the way, it's not just about believing that God's out there. It's about having a true intimate relationship with him where you know him. Being reconciled, being brought together in a very real relationship. And if you are here today and you used to be, there was a time in your life you and the Lord were close. And and today that's not true. Today you know you don't have this passion for him and this life with him. I also want to have you pray that prayer not to become a Christian again, but to come back. Because in the book of Revelations it says, if you don't love me the way you used to, Jesus said, then I want you to remember what it was like. And I want you to 
repent. I want you to turn your life back over to me. And I want you to do what you did the very first time. I I want you to start all over again. And if you're here today and you say, man, I've really blown it since I started. Guess what? God still loves you. As a matter of fact, some of you might say, well, no, I... If I get real honest about the kind of person I am, let me tell you this, is God couldn't love you more than he does. He couldn't want you more than he does. And if you're not in an intimate relationship with him, it's not because he doesn't want it. So today, today, if if you feel the stirring, if you have the desire, I'm gonna ask you right where you're sitting to tell the Lord, "Let's, let's do this together. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we get to be your people that, Lord, you cause us to be a brand new creation. You change us day by day. And while none of us are perfect, Lord, we know that you do amazing things to help us grow. May we grow in you. And may we look at other people through your eyes with love, seeing the amazing value they have and never being judgmental. May we, Lord, also look at ourselves differently and understand how much we mean to you and how much uh, we were created by you on purpose to live a life that has significance that has effectiveness and and Lord that we would grab hold of that and may we see the purpose we have to live correctly and may this church Lord have a passion for you that's just amazing and a passion for your cause and Lord I pray right now I ask that your Holy Spirit would come in this room I ask Lord that your spirit would stir upon anyone now who needs you I pray, Lord, for the man who's sitting there right now and he looks at his life and he knows that some decisions he made, some things he did even this week were just not right. And God, I pray he'd know right now you love him. And you want to take and redeem him and love him and share with him and make him new. I pray, Lord, right now for the the people who are just sensing, Lord, that you're touching them, that you're calling them. I pray right now they'd want to just say these words. They'd want to pray this prayer. Lord, we plead and beg that you'd help them, that this would be their moment and day. I'm going to ask that we keep praying. And if you're right with the Lord, would you pray for everybody who needs to make this decision, who needs to whisper this prayer to God? But right now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and pray a prayer. I'll say a line, let you pray it with me. Today, if you would like to be in that relationship with the Lord, you want to be his, I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting to whisper this prayer. But I'm going to ask you to do something first. If you'll pray this prayer with me, would you just make this kind of physical demonstration? You're ready to surrender to God. Would you just do this? If you're going to pray this prayer, would you lift your hand in the air? Just lift your hand in the air and let this know this is the time you're going to say yes to him. Praise God. That is so awesome. Praise the Lord. Man, it is so incredible. Every one of you, praise the Lord. Wow. Wow, praise God for each one of you. Okay, all of you that God's touching, let's just whisper these words. Say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. You died for my sins. And you died to forgive me, to cleanse me, to make me new. So I say yes. And I open my heart to you. And I ask that you'd fill me with your love. Fill me with your spirit. Please help me be who you have always created me to be. And to live the life that you have for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.